But this morning, we are going to be in Nehemiah chapter 6. So if you'll turn there in your Bibles, Nehemiah chapter 6. We've gone through the first five chapters, and we'll begin at verse 1 of chapter 6. If you're visiting with us, we go through the books of the Bible chapter by chapter and verse by verse. This Nehemiah study has been an incredible study, will continue to be over the next several weeks. And today, I pray that you're blessed. So let's remember to turn ringers off our phones. Let's settle our hearts in to hear the word of God, and let's go to the Lord in prayer before we get started as we come. And I do pray, Lord, that we would be teachable right now, and we get a few moments in your word. All week long, we hear the world. All week long, we, we um, get pulled in different directions, and we need to hear from you. I do thank you for all that have come out already this morning um, in the services being full. Because I know that people are hungry and desiring to hear truth. This is the written word of God, God breathed, put to the page. And there's something here for us. So help us be teachable, make application, leave here encouraged and instructed in every way. In Jesus' name, amen. So as we travel through the first five chapters of this book, we have seen how the enemy... Uh, comes against here the people of God doing the work of God as they're rebuilding a wall around Jerusalem. And we know that we are in a spiritual war. It's a battleground out there for you and for me that we have an enemy that will come against you personally, come against me personally. He will come against your family, and he will come against this church. And he will try to get a foothold into our lives to make us ineffective in ministering to our families and and walking with the Lord and serving the Lord. He will try to discourage, as we have seen. Uh, He will bring fear. He will intimidate. He will bring division. And we've looked at a lot of that, particularly as we were in chapter 4. Here they are building the wall. The wall's being built. And how the enemies of God's people come against that work. And whenever God is working, the enemy is working as well. Now as we move into chapter 6, the wall has been built. And the gaps are now closed. And, And what's left is the hanging of the gates. Now the gates were a very important part of the work because the gates would be hung, and they could close those gates at night. They could close it if the watchmen, we will see the guards, the watchmen on the wall, if they saw any danger or the enemy uh, would come against them, they could close those gates, and they would be protected inside the wall. So it was a very important part of the project. And now as we enter into this chapter, we're going to see how the enemy is not only coming against the people of God, but how he's doing it is he's coming against Nehemiah personally. If they could come against Nehemiah, if they could eliminate him, then the enemies of God's people know that it's going to help them to come against the people there in Jerusalem. It's really going to help them be effective in stopping the work that is being done, discouraging them, causing fear in them. And a couple things to keep in mind when it comes to spiritual warfare with you and with me, with this church, that the enemy does not stop. He doesn't say, I think I'm going to give Pastor Jeff a break today. And he doesn't say the same thing with you. He doesn't have a good day. He doesn't say, I think I'll leave this godly family alone. 
I think I'll leave Calvary Chapel alone. No, he's going to continually going to keep coming at us and coming against us. And we need to continually keep praying and keep trusting the Lord. The other thing, too, is, is that he will go after you, Dad. He will go after you, parents, in your home. He'll go after you, grandparents. He'll go after me, the leadership of this church, because he knows that if he can get, again, um, just an effective uh, attack against us and causing fear, compromise, a foothold into our lives, into the leadership of a home, into the leadership of a church, then it's going to go a long ways in being the enemy effective and coming against the rest that we are to minister to. Our kids, grandkids, the rest of the family, this church, you know that to be true. And that's why I ask for prayer, because the attacks are continually. We need to be praying for each other, because it is a battle out there, and it will be until the Lord takes us home. And once again, we see in this godly leader that is before us here this morning, wisdom and how to keep the enemy from stopping the work of the Lord in our lives and stopping the things that God wants us to be about in building the kingdom of God. So let's begin to look at this in chapter 6 of Nehemiah, verse 1. We do read, Now it happened when Sanballat, Tobiah, and Geshem, the Arab, and the rest of our enemies heard that I had rebuilt the wall, and that there were no breaks left in it, though at the time I had not hung the doors in the gates, that Sanballat and Geshem sent to me, saying, Come, let us meet together among the villages of the plains of Ono. But they thought to do me harm. The gates are now going to be hung. This is a now or never tactic of the enemy uh, coming against the people of God, against Nehemiah, to come against him. And one of the tactics that we see here coming against Nehemiah personally to get the work to stop is to arrange this meeting. You need to come off the wall, Nehemiah, stop the work, take the time to come to the plain of Ono over by the coast, come into our territory, and Satan will do the same thing with you and me because he's a lion looking to devour. You know that Peter would write that be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And it's a lot easier for him to do that if you can go into his territory. He wants, keep this in mind always, he wants to devour you. He wants to harm you. He wants to do you in and wipe you out. He wants to pounce on you like a roaring lion and bite your head off. And that's why we need to be careful and we need to be wise and courageous in the day in which we're in. We need to be wise and discerning not to go into his territory. Hey, come off the wall, Nehemiah. Away from the brethren. Stop doing what God has for you and the calling that he's given to you. Come over here to Ono and let's talk. And Nehemiah shows great wisdom and discernment. He knows that you guys want to do me harm. You don't want to talk or have peace. You don't want to have understanding. You want to harm me is what you want to do. You want to do me in. You want me to come to oh no? The answer is oh no. I'm not going to come. (laughs) There's no way I'm coming. And that is what it means to be sober and to be vigilant. I'm not going to give in to your tactic. I'm going to show godly wisdom. 
I'm going to continue to build the wall. I'm not going to go into the enemy's territory because I know that it will only bring harm to me. And any of us that are in leadership, in your home, or in the church, we need to be wise and discerning. Because the enemy not only comes as a lion to devour, but he comes as a serpent to deceive. And they are very deceptive here, these guys. Hey, come down. Come over to where it's warm and it's real nice by the coast. Let's talk. Let's reconcile. The enemy, the scripture says, Satan that comes against you and me, that he's called a master deceiver. And as I've said before, that we were told in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, and I know I'm sounding a little redundant, but I want to remind you of that simple verse that says, don't be ignorant of Satan's devices. If he can, cannot come against the church directly or against your home, he'll try to join the church. He'll try to get a foothold into your life somehow, some way. And we know that's true for the days in which we're living in. He has actually been very effective in that. He can do that by so many ways, by, by all the, the things that are around us and social media and all the information that are, we have access to. He's been very effective in deceiving the church and Christians, and we know that to be true. And I don't mean to have a critical spirit, but we can look at some of the mainline denominations and independent churches Throughout the last 50 years, 40 years, at one time, they were true to the gospel. They were true to the word of God. But now they have abandoned that. They said, we're going to make a peace treaty with culture. We're going to make a peace treaty with the world and with the enemy. We can't say that Jesus is the only way to heaven. We can't teach biblical morality. You need to embrace culture. That's what we're going to tell the people. Uh, You can't tell your kids that they were created in the image of God. We need to tell them they evolved. We can't tell them that he made them male and female, that there's only two genders. And on and on it goes, the deception, the deceiving, the compromise. So Nehemiah here shows real discernment. And we are to ask God for discernment. And without it, we will fall prey to the enemy. We know that discernment is a gift of the Holy Spirit, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 10. And it comes by taking heed to the word of God. That's one of the reasons why I'm so committed to teaching you the word of God, to have your Bibles opened up, to go through the scriptures, because if we do not know the word of God, we will get deceived in the day in which we're in. There's too many voices out there. It sounds pleasing. It appeals to the flesh. Everybody else is doing it. It's what culture embraces. It's what the world says is good. Even as Isaiah said that the time's going to come when they will call evil good and good evil. And he goes on as we read here in this chapter in verse 3. So I sent messengers to them saying, I am doing a great work so that I cannot come down. Why should the work cease while I leave it and and go down to you? I love his response here. It speaks to me. And I hope it speaks to you. I am not getting down off this wall. Nehemiah rejects the offer to talk for three reasons. We've already touched on the first one. They want to do me harm. Please, please understand this. That if you give in to the enemy and compromise, a lot of times he'll deceive us that this will be good. 
It'll be okay. This will make the situation better or your life better, more free. Just kind of live the way you want. It's, it's no big deal. I want you to always remember this, and I need to remember it, is that the enemy wants to do you harm. He wants to do you harm. It's not for your good. He'll present it as light, but it's darkness. He'll present it as truth, but it's deception. He'll present it in a way that is going to help you and benefit you, but it's going to harm you. He wants to put you in bondage. He wants to do you in. He wants to deceive you. He wants to defeat you. And know that we have victory in Christ. And we have the word of God given to us. He wants to harm you. And he's going to continue in his tactics to come against you, your family, against me and this church family. Secondly, he says, I'm doing a great work. Know that what you do for the Lord is a great work. It's a good work. He who desires to be an overseer, 1 Timothy 3, desires a good work. And the enemy will keep trying to distract you from that good work, to keep you from that good work as you raise your kids in the ways of the Lord, as you have devotions with your family, as you're discipling that person or as you're being used in ministry, as you're praying with your spouse, as you're serving the Lord and living for the Lord, that it is a good work and always remember that it is a great work and an eternal work. The enemies and others will try to distract you to get you to stop doing God's work. Hey, come hang out with us. Just compromise a little bit. After work, why don't you go with the guys? You need to come with us and we'll have some drinks and just have a good time. It's been a long day, a long week. You don't need to, young adults, go to Friday young adults Bible study. You don't need to go to men's study. You don't need to get up on Saturday morning and go to men's prayer. You don't need to go home to your family right now and spend time with them to minister to your kids, to be praying with your spouse. You don't need to disciple that person. Uh, The enemy is a really good distractor. And there have been those who have tried to distract me from what I am to be doing. They want to bring the distraction in different ways. They want to argue endlessly. I want to meet with you because this is what really Calvary Chapel is to be about. You need to be doing this and emphasizing that. You need to change the work of God. Taking up a bunch of time with no real purpose or just wanting to be combative. And we need to keep focus on what God has for us. And then notice thirdly, thirdly here, he says, I am not going to come down. I am not going to stop. Why should the work cease and I come down to you? Sanballat and Geshem had nothing in common with Nehemiah. They did not support the work. They did not encourage the work. They came against the work in every way. The work that was to be done, they want the work to stop. Why should I come down to you? There's nothing to talk about. And know that if we accept the invitation of the enemy, you know what he's going to do? He's going to change the rules. He's going to tell you that what you're doing is wrong. You're just uptight. He'll tell you that you need to stop uh, doing what you're doing for the Lord and try to be, you know, deceptive in that. Try to defeat what God is doing in your life. And notice here in verse 4, but they sent me this message four times and I answered them in the same manner. 
As I mentioned, the enemy is not going to stop trying to get you off the wall. Hey, come with us. Come with us. Come and meet with us. Get off the wall. Week after week, come with us. Come hang out. We're going to go do a little party in. Just come the one time. Compromise this one time. It's not a big deal. Hey, just be involved in immorality. Sleep with your boyfriend, girlfriend. Just, just one time. Everybody else is doing it. You know the flesh is pulling at you to do it. It's no big deal. Hey, why don't you live together? Economically, it makes sense, and that's just the trend of the world today and of culture today. Hey, be dishonest. You can lie a little bit. Just compromise just a little bit. And he's relentless in his attacks and deception. And Nehemiah said, no. I'm not going to get off this wall. And neither should you and I. Do not give in to the deception of the enemy, the distraction of the enemy. Well, do you think that these guys are going to stop coming against Nehemiah? No. Let's continue reading in verse 5. Then Sanballat sent his servant to me as before the fifth time. With an open letter in his hand, and it was written, It is reported among the nations, and Geshem says, that you and the Jews plan to rebel. Therefore, according to these rumors, you are rebuilding the wall, that you may be their king. And you have also appointed prophets to proclaim concerning you at Jerusalem, saying, There is a king in Judah. Now these matters will be reported to the king. So come, therefore, and let us consult together. Again, come, let us meet. They send this letter. It's an open letter. You know what that means. It means everybody's going to have access to it. Everybody can read it. Everybody's going to hear about it. And I point that out because perhaps you have experienced that. I know that I have. Hey, all these people are saying this. You know, all these people. Really? Who are all these people? You know, the rumors are flying. There's a lot of people concerned about that, what you're doing. A lot of people are talking about it. They want to accuse you. And that's what's happening here. You're leading this rebellion against the king. You have ulterior motives. You just want to be the king. The Jews are rebelling against the king. That is Artaxerxes. And you're leading this sedition. Jesus was accused of the same thing by the religious leaders. As they handed him over to Pilate, they said that he claims to be a king. He's perverting a nation. He's forbidding the people to pay taxes. That's Luke chapter 23, verse 2. And so you need to come down from the wall. Stop the work. We have this open letter. Come talk with us or we'll report you to accuse you. And we know that Revelation chapter 12 tells us that Satan, he's the accuser of the brethren who accuses us day and night. Who do you think that you are to minister this way? You're just being selfish and you want to exalt yourself. That was Dathan and Korah and the leaders of the children of Israel that came to Moses there in the book of Numbers. It came to, to Aaron, the high priest, and they said, you guys think you're special, the calling that God has given to you. Well, we're special too. And they had this rebellious spirit. We need to talk. You need to stop doing what you're doing. You're going to ruin. 
your kid's life by not letting them do this or be involved in that or watch that or go to that place. Why don't you come to neutral ground? You know the pressure, don't you, parents? Come, let us talk about this. Come, let's compromise. You know, you need to compromise. It's okay to, to date that unbeliever. Guy's kind of cool. She's really pretty. It's, it's okay. So he'll try to distract, get you off the wall. He will accuse. Thirdly, he will try to, to make you afraid. And then in verse 8, as we read, And then I sent to him, saying, No such things as you say are being done, but you invent them in your own heart. For they all were trying to make us afraid, saying their hands will be weakened in the work, and it will not be done. The response here is, as we look at this, is you invent these things in your heart, Nehemiah said, you're just trying to cause fear in us. Sambalot, you're a phony and you're a liar. The enemy is very, very good at bringing fear to us, uh, accusing us. And he prays, Lord, strengthen our hands. You see, Satan does the same thing, as you know. And what Satan will do in accusing you is he'll try to ruin your reputation. He did that with Joseph in, in the book of Genesis. He did that with Daniel, of course, and others. They all were accused. But they were ones that trusted the Lord and did what was right in the sight of the Lord. And I want you to always remember this. The people may try to ruin your reputation, but only you can ruin your character. People will accuse you. They'll try to ruin your reputation, but only you can ruin your character. And as he comes and accuses and it begins to bring fear to you, we are to look to him and ask the Lord to strengthen us. To say, Lord, I'm going to do what is right. And I understand that, that if I don't compromise in my relationship with my boyfriend and girlfriend, that I may lose that. But so oftentimes, because of fear, I, I don't want to lose them. I don't want to lose out on being promoted at work unless I play the game and unless I'm dishonest. He's going to try to dumb you. He's going to try to beat you down and wear you down. And as we say, I'm not going to compromise in relationships, in my life, in business. I'm not going to let the fear overtake me. Even as the enemy says, everybody's going to hate you. You're not going to get ahead in this world. Come on, what's the big deal? Just compromise a bit. I'm not going to give the gospel or give the truth of God's word because they may not like me. All these tactics that the enemy uses to get us off the wall. But in verse 10, afterwards, I came to the house of Shemaiah, the son of Delaiah, the son of Mahatabel, who was sacred and former. And he said, let us meet together in the house of God within the temple and let us close the doors of the temple for they are coming to kill you. Indeed, at night they will come to kill you. And I said, should such a man as I flee, who is there such as I would go into the temple to save his life? I will not go in. So as he accuses, bring in fear, Nehemiah, he's not going to compromise. Verse 13, only the priests are to be in the temple. 
I'm not going to sin. I'm not going to be locked up in the temple. And again, this tactic that the enemy uses, he's very good at it. He's used it against me. When there is fear, there can be a tendency to compromise, to try to make a peace treaty with the enemy. That's what happened with Ahaz, the king of Judah. That's what happened even with Hezekiah initially when he first started uh, to be the king there in Judah. They would take the gold and the silver in the temple and they paid off the king of Assyria, tried to pay him off. Don't attack us. To leave us alone. Well, the, the king of Assyria, Tigalith Peliga was his name, that he took the goods and he kept coming. He would attack them. It would take the ten northern tribes off into captivity and finally came into Judah and surrounded Jerusalem. And we know the end of that result. We don't have time to go into it, but the Lord protected them. Don't make a peace treaty with the enemy. He'll take the goods and he'll keep coming at you. And I love the example of Nehemiah that won't give in to the tactic of the enemy. And the bottom line is I'm not going to come down from building the wall and stop a great work of God. And he had discernment and he had wisdom and he had real courage. We know that it takes real courage, doesn't it, to live for the Lord today and to stand for the Lord? Amen? It does. Nehemiah here is dealing with a lot of pressure here. And verse 14 indicates that there was a conspiracy against Nehemiah among the prophets and prophetesses as we read there in um, verse 12. Then I perceived that God had not sent him at all, but he pronounced this prophecy against me because Tobiah and Sambalot had hired him. For this reason he was hired, that I should be afraid and act that way and sin, so they might have cause for an evil report that they might reproach me. My God, remember Tobiah and Sambalot according to these works and the prophetess Noadiah and the rest of the prophets who would have made me afraid. So there's this conspiracy among the prophets and this prophetess named Noadiah. Uh, He seemed to have so many coming against him. Have you ever felt that way? Yet he held his ground. And that's the last tactic that we see of the enemy in this chapter. Uh, We'll see more tactics as we continue on through this book. But he'll try to gather people, allies to come join him. It happened with Joseph, with his brothers. Moses, he had two million people come against him. David had a whole nation that came against him where he had to flee Jerusalem. Daniel had the leaders of, of the Medes and the Persians come against him to where he'd be thrown into the lion's den. Jesus had the religious leaders, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Herodians, the scribes and the chief priests, all of them that really didn't have anything to do with each other. The one common thing they did do is come together to put Jesus to death. And we can be outnumbered and pressured by those who come against us. It might be other family members. It might be friends, those at work, others trying to to get you to compromise, to come off the wall. To compromise what you know to be true and right. The enemy is going to gather a posse. But we stay strong in the Lord. And know that he's your protector. He's your provider. And know this, that he that is in you is greater than he that is in the world. Or them that are in the world. We're told to be strong and good courage. And as I said, it takes that courage to follow the Lord and live for the Lord. We need his strength to serve him. We need to be like Nehemiah who prayed here, as we saw in verse 14. And 
Lord, strengthen my hands. Give me courage. Help me to, to be in a place where you want me to be on the wall, doing your work and stay focused on the work. And then in verse 15, so the wall was finished on the 25th day of El Ol in 52 days. And it happened when all our enemies heard of it and all the nations around us saw these things, listen, that they were very disheartened in their own eyes, for they perceived that this work was done by our God. So it was a miracle. The work was done. The wall was done in 52 days. And the enemies disheartened. Remember this, what James says, that you submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. That is, the devil will flee. Okay? Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. And they were able to build the wall in 52 days because, number one, they had the same mind and purpose. Chapter 2, verse 18. We are told to stand fast in one mind and one spirit, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Chapter 4, they set a watch with a spear in one hand and a trial in another. Number three, they didn't get distracted or off the wall. They stayed focused. And you and I are told in the book of Colossians, keep your eyes on the things above, not on the things of this world. Keep your eyes on the finish line. And then fourthly, they had discernment because they're not ignorant of the enemy's devices. And then verse 16, most importantly, God gets the glory. God gets the glory. Jesus said, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. And then as we finish the chapter in verse 17, and in those days the nobles of Judah sent many letters to Tobiah, and the letters of Tobiah came to them. For many in Judah were pledged to him because he was the son-in-law of Shechaniah, the son of Arah, and his son Jehonanan, and married the daughter of Meshulam, and the son of Berechiah. And they also reported his good deeds before me and reported my word to him. Tobiah sent letters to frighten me. So Tobiah ends up, and we're going to see he's going to play a factor in this and try to use this to his advantage to continue to come against the people of God. But he's a relative of the Jews by marriage. And so there were some of the Jews that were informing him in the progress of the work. They should have never been friends with the enemy. Don't make friends with the enemy. Don't be friends with the world. John writes that in his epistle. They reported his good deeds before me. In other words, he isn't so bad, Tobiah. We can trust him a little bit. Nehemiah, you're just being uptight, unreasonable. Here's some more letters for you, by the way. And it was to frighten Nehemiah and to keep him from finishing the work. The enemy is not going to stop the attacks. So if the enemy is not going to stop the attacks, you can't stop and I can't stop continuing to trust in the Lord, being men and women of prayer, being committed to the Lord, and being in the Word of God. And that's where our strength and protection is going to be as we look to Him. So, Father, we thank you. We thank you so much for the work that you're doing in this place and in our families and us individually growing us, but we know attack comes with it. The pressure comes, the fears, the intimidation. And so, Lord, we want to be wise and discerning of the day in which we are in. And I just pray right now, if anyone's here, that you're saying, you know, I have compromised. I've been going to the plains of Ono. That you would stop. The Lord is saying this lovingly. Because he wants the very best for you. It's a loving father that says, I don't want you to get hurt. I don't want you to get harmed. 
And every commandment, truth that he gives to you is for your protection and good so you might experience that abundant life. Not be deceived. Not be in bondage. He loves you. The enemy hates you. So don't give in to the enemy. Lord, I just thank you for this word given to us. And as we leave this place, the lesson doesn't stop here. We continue to pray for wisdom and discernment and the things that are going on in our life. We're going to take communion here. The communion is for the believer, remembering what Jesus did for us. And if you're here and you've never made a commitment to Jesus Christ for forgiveness of sin, yield your life to him. He is your salvation, forgiveness, reconciliation with the Father. There's no one else or nothing else. Confessing that you're a sinner in need of him who loved you so much he went to that cross to make atonement for your sins. Today is the day of salvation. Will you come? Will you come? Call out to him. That's the invitation, always come. And you can do that right now. You can pray, Jesus, I come so I can be strong and be forgiven and grow in your love. So I come and I ask you, forgive me a sinner of my sins. I believe you died on the cross for me that you're alive, you rose from the grave. I ask that you be my personal Lord and Savior to sit upon the throne of my life. And I want to know you and walk with you all the days of my life to please you. And as we hold the communion elements and prepare for communion, that we would continue and just at awe and worship of the wonderful provision of Jesus allowing his body to be broken, his blood shed, is this new covenant that we belong to in Jesus' name. So the communion elements are in front of you.